Hey, thanks for joining us on the No Limits Church podcast. This is a place to get equipped to make a difference for the kingdom of God. So get ready to be empowered by this message. You know, the most popular video on our church YouTube channel is a message that I brought to you last year to combat Pride Month, and it was called LGBTFAQ. And I answered common questions that Christians have about homosexuality, like are people born gay? Can you be saved and gay? What if I struggle with same-sex attraction? I answered all those questions and more. You can go back and watch that video this afternoon on the No Limits Church YouTube channel if you're still looking for answers to those questions. It'll be easy to find. Uh, But seeing how that message was so needed, I can't let Pride Month go by without helping you further navigate this issue. Yeah. So now I'm going to expose what's truly behind the LGBTQ movement. How many of y'all want some insight into what's really going on? You know, it's so easy to get distracted by drag queen story hour, uh, what's happening at Target, and poor old Bud Light. <laughs> poor old Bud Light. And those are legitimate issues, but they're really just symptoms of the main issue. If we can cut this thing off at the root, all the symptoms will fade away. But if we focus on the symptoms, which is what so many people are doing right now, they're focusing on fighting all these symptoms, you're going to fight hard with no real resolve. So let's get our focus on the right place. What we're dealing with is nothing new. These issues have been around forever. I mean, we have ancient records of cultures having sexual identity crisis. Uh, one of the most familiar is Sodom and Gomorrah. Anybody ever heard of, of Sodom and Gomorrah? 4,000 years ago is when that took place. A man named Lot was visited by two angels. He invited them into his home. And while they were there, I want you to take a look at what happened in Genesis chapter 19. But before they retired for the night, all the men of Sodom, young and old, came from all over the city and surrounded the house. They shouted to Lot, where are these men that came to spend the night with you? Bring them out to us so that we can have sex with them. (laughs) Can you believe that's in the Bible? (laughs) This city was so messed up that all the men of the city demanded to have sex with what they thought were the new men in town, when in fact they were angels. Crazy times. And Lot tried to protect the angels by offering his two virgin daughters in their place. Again, like, that's messed up, right? That's just crazy. But they didn't want the daughters. They wanted the men. And at this point, the angels blinded those men that showed up so that none of them could find their way inside. And eventually they got frustrated and they left. This was over 4,000 years ago, 4,000 years ago, the same stuff we're dealing with today. So God ended up destroying Sodom and Gomorrah because the sin there became so extreme, but the same problems have resurfaced several times throughout history. So about 2,400 years ago, so fast forward about 2,000 years, we have record of a goddess named Ishtar. Most people know her as the goddess of love, fertility, and sex, but she is also the goddess of war. How could one goddess be known for both love and war. Can anybody explain that to me? That's our first indicator that this is really a spirit that causes confusion, right? It occupies both ends of the spectrum. And on ancient Mesopotamian tablets, you'll find this is how the goddess described herself. You ready for this? (laughs) When I sit in the alehouse, I am a woman and I'm an exuberant young man. In other words, Ishtar was a woman and at the same time a man. She could go back and forth and express the characteristics of either gender. And you'll also find an ancient Sumerian hymn that says this, turn a man into a woman and a woman into a man. This goddess had male priests 
that presented themselves as women. They wore women's clothing, put on makeup, and paraded themselves around. Sound familiar? <laughs> there was one month out of the year where this goddess especially possessed culture. Can anybody guess what month that was? June. 2,400 years ago. <laughs> oh my gosh. And she was even known as the goddess of pride. <laughs> the same problem is resurfaced time and time again. Each time under a new name and disguise, was what, what was once referred to as Ishtar is now referred to as LGBTQ. This war cannot be won if we are fighting a distraction. We are not fighting people. We are fighting an ancient demonic spirit that has been allowed to infiltrate our culture. There was a time when these issues were not common in America. They were around, but they were kept in the shadows. Remember those days? They weren't that long ago. America was a culture that had been cleansed of this demon. But take a look at what happens when we drop the ball. This is found in Matthew chapter 12, and it says that when an evil spirit leaves a person, it goes into the desert, seeking rest but finding none. And then it says, I'll return to the person I came from. So it returns, and it finds its former home empty. Swept and in order. Then the spirit finds seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they all enter the person and live there. And so that person is worse off than before. That will be the experience of this evil generation. So I want you to notice that for the demons to return, the house had to be empty. Did y'all catch that? The house had to be empty. America was once full of God. The Bible was required reading in school. Every day started with prayer. Church was prioritized over everything else, including kids' sports practice. Y'all, the restaurants were even closed on Sunday. Anybody remember those days? Church was a priority. And then in 1962, prayer was taken out of schools. Just a few years later, the feminist movement took off. And then in 1973 is when it became legal to murder children in the womb, also known as abortion. Boy, it progresses quickly, doesn't it? This house we call America was once full of God, but when we took God out, we left the house empty so that the evil spirits could come in and possess an entire generation. The ancient spirit we're talking about today has three goals. First one is it wants to alter the definition of male and female. It wants to feminize males and masculinize females. And it wants to wage war by blurring the lines of sexuality and gender. That's what it's about. That's its goals. So how does this spirit manifest in women? This is probably going to be like your least favorite part of my message today, but just hang with me. Promise me you're not going to get mad. You can get mad if you want to. How does it manifest in women? Well, they develop a disdain for male leadership. They buy into the feminism movement, or maybe I should say women's rights. They gloat about their independence, saying, I don't need a man, I can do it myself. And they covet a man's job. Are you mad? It's okay if you are. Now, now I'll uh, pick on the men. How does this manifest in men? They act like overgrown children living in their mom's basement. It's true. They're unfit for leadership. All men are called to be leaders. But when this spirit comes in, it makes men unfit for leadership. They're weak. They're pitiful. They walk around with a victim mentality. They become consumed with their appearance. That's how it manifests in men. So make, mo make no mistake, what started as feminism has become LGBTQ and every sexual perversion that you see today. Feminism was the bait offered by this ancient demonic spirit. It was the bait 
A majority of women took it, hook, line, and sinker, and the evil spirit used these women to accomplish the end goal. Now feminism has been destroyed by transgenderism. Did y'all catch? Did y'all see that happen? What supposedly was women's rights was actually a war on women. Our culture doesn't even know what a woman is anymore. Altering the God-assigned role of males and females is how it all started. For the enemy to get the foothold that he has, he had to blur the lines and disguise it as equality. Once the foundation was laid, the ancient demonic spirit could unleash the sexual and gender identity crisis that we have going on today. So can you see, how the real, can you see who the real enemy is? Take a look at how Ephesians explains it in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. We're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. We are at war with evil spirits. Don't get distracted by what you see. Keep your focus on the real issue so that we can cut it off at the root. You see, I believe... I truly believe that a massive move of deliverance is coming for those who are being tormented by these evil spirits. That there's going to be a massive move of deliverance sweep through the LGBTQ community. And it's going to be incredible. As soon as we realize this is a spiritual issue, we can exercise our authority in Christ and free the captives. How many of y'all want to see them set free? I want to see them set free. I don't want to sit here and criticize them or be mean to them or talk bad about them. I want them to be free. They're under the bondage of this ancient evil spirit. Don't you want them to be free? So get your eyes off of what you see so that you can help them find freedom. So now that we know the problem, how do we eliminate it? We're going to turn to Jesus for the answer because he always has it. We talked about this a few weeks ago, but since casting out demons is kind of new for us, I want to refresh your memory. Anybody need a, a good refresh? So we're going to go back to Luke 4. We're going to read verse 33 through 36. So once, when Jesus was in the synagogue, a man possessed by a demon, an evil spirit, cried out, shouting, Go away! Why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? Yes, I have, yes. <laughs> I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus reprimanded him, Be quiet! Come out of the man, he ordered. And at that, the demon threw the man on the floor as the crowd watched, and then it came out of him without hurting him further. Amazed, the people exclaimed, what authority and power this man's words possess. Even evil spirits obey him, and they flee at his command. And the news about Jesus spread through every village in the entire region. So the New Living Translation is what I was reading out of. Out of. It uses the word possessed, right? We've talked about this. It said a man possessed by a demon, and that's how most of us would think about this. That, that man was possessed by a demon. But let's look at the New King James Version, because it says, now in the synagogue there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon. So this got me curious. Why does the New King James say had? Why does the NLT say possess? In the original Greek language, the word is echo, and it means this, to hold in the hand, to wear, to have possession of the mind, to be joined together. Again, notice that it said nothing about having possession of your spirit. Yet that's how most of us think about demonic issues. We think this is full-on possession, spirit, soul, and body. You're giving the devil too much credit. I've yet to find in the word of God where the devil can possess somebody's spirit. I'm even thinking of the man who, was, who had the legion of demons. Anybody remember that story? He came up to Jesus. He had the legion of demons. They asked to be cast out into the pigs. They went into the pigs. The pigs ran off the cliff, right? If you go back and you reread that story, you'll find out that that demon, even though he had a legion of demons, they could not control him full time. 
Go read it. They couldn't even control him full time when there was a legion of de- when there was a lot of demons in him. I've yet to find where a demon can possess your spirit. But the Lord sure can make your spirit born again. Amazing. Can demons possess your body? Yeah. They, can they possess your mind? Yeah. Digging into the Greek word echo gives us insight into how this happens. It all starts with somebody holding on to the things of the devil, and then you put them on like clothing. And we're talking about any kind of sin that you embrace. And as you continue to wear these things, the devil takes possession of your mind, and now you can't stop thinking about it. Your thoughts drive you deeper and deeper into darkness, and you become joined together with this thing, much like a marriage. No longer can you just casually walk away from it. Now you have to get a full-on divorce. Here's a simplified version of this progression. You pick up sin, you put it on, and then it takes possession of your mind, and then you become joined together with it. You all know this is true because you've walked through it. Every single one of us has done this at some point in our lives. That's why the demon threw the man on the ground on its way out. Divorces are never pretty. Anybody ever been thrown on the ground as you divorce the demons? (laughs) You just chuckle. Well, if you read my book, Jesus Ain't Woke, you know that I was delivered from homosexuality, and this progression matches exactly what I went through. It started with me picking it up and putting it back down and picking it up again and putting it back down and picking it up and putting it on. And it didn't take long before it possessed my mind. This all happens really quickly once you put this thing on. And then I became joined together with an unclean spirit. I had a demon, but only because I opened the door and allowed it in. I did that. And this will throw you for a loop. I grew up in church. My grandpa was a pastor. We went, were in church every Sunday and every Wednesday. I loved God. I loved the church. I loved Jesus. I was even leading youth worship. And the presence of God would show up in these worship services that I was leading. Yet I was joined together with an unclean spirit. Did I feel conflicted inside? <laughs> Yeah, I should have been diagnosed as bipolar because I was one person at church, another person at school. Almost daily, I'd be thrilled by the unclean spirit. And then I'd get home at night and I'd be crying out to God for forgiveness. Please forgive me. I can't believe I did that again. No one knew I was being tormented though because when I was at church, I was all in. When I was with the wrong crowd, I was all in, buddy. Both sides of my life thought I was good, but I wasn't. I thought it was me. I was fighting myself. I was asking God for forgiveness. I was making God promises. I'll never do it again. Like that was the last time, but nothing was working. And then people were telling me, why are you fighting this? It's how you were born. It's nothing you should be ashamed of. And speaking of, I want to counter that lie right now. There's nothing to prove that homosexuality is a genetic disposition that cannot be escaped. Even Harvard did a study and could not prove that you can be born gay. It can't be proven. It's well known in the scientific community that if homosexuality were genetic, if one identical twin were homosexual, 100% of the time, the other one would be too. And guess what? It's not true. So even science proves that you cannot be born gay. Yet that lie just spreads around and spreads around and spreads around. You are born either male or female. Y'all know that, right? You're born either male or female. You can't change that. That is how you're born, male or female, yeah? But no one is born gay. So if you're struggling with homosexuality, here's your hope. You can change that. You can change it because you weren't born that way. But you can't change your gender. That'll set you free too. You might as well just embrace how God made you. So I'm one of many who used to be full-on homosexual, but now for more than 16 years, I've been full-on heterosexual like God designed me, a man of one wife. No one's born gay. No one is born gay. No one is born gay. No one 
is born gay. Not even a small percentage of the population is born gay. No one is born gay. How many times do I have to say that to undo that lie? No one, not one person is born gay. Do not let yourself buy into that lie. Well, maybe they're, no, they were not born that way. Because if you believe that lie, you're not going to lead them to freedom. Because you're going to be doubting yourself. Can they really be free if they're, they were not born that way. No one is born gay. Did y'all catch that? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Let's tell the world that, okay? They need to hear, somebody's got to say the truth. Because there's plenty of people who will tell you, well, they were just born that way. Anytime you hear that, just go ahead and counter it. Just say, nope, no one was born gay. And you don't even have to bring the Bible out of this. You can say, even Harvard did a study, couldn't prove it. No one's born gay. All right. From the beginning. Amen. So this man that we were reading about in the Bible, he had an unclean spirit. He came to church that day. He was just sitting there quietly listening to Jesus teach. And we don't know this for sure, but I bet you he went for a way to look out of his torment that day. He heard about Jesus. He's like, you know, maybe this is the answer. Maybe I can finally get free from this thing. And the teaching of Jesus was so agitating to that demon that it cried out. It couldn't hide any longer. It knew its time was limited. So with a simple command, Jesus delivered this man from his torment. Praise God. He told the demon to leave, but he let the man stay. In these days when we have a manifestation like this at church, not here, but in most churches, they'll leave the demon in the person and tell the person to leave. But Jesus actually told us to do this in Mark chapter 16. These signs are going to follow those who believe in my name. They're going to cast out demons. And then he goes on to list some other things. But the first on the list is casting out demons. If it's the first on the list, that means it's going to be a frequent occurrence. So what's been going on all this time? I've been in church for 34 years. I, I was a worship leader for 10 years. I've been a lead pastor now for five years. And it wasn't until about a month ago that I began to see demons cast out of people. And it's been awesome to see people find freedom. Does that mean there were no demons around here all this time? Or have we just become so used to them that we just let them hang around like a pet? All you have to do is look at the state of our nation to know that demons are definitely having their heyday in America, so it's got to be the latter. We must have become desensitized to unclean spirits. And y'all, they don't want to be known. They do their best to fly under the radar. Demons don't want to be noticed because they want to stay in that house that they're in. But why have we been allowing them to do so? Why don't we just do what Jesus did and aggravate the demons? <laughs> Doesn't that sound like a fun thing to do, just aggravate the demons? <laughs> and we need them to manifest because that's an important part of deliverance. If you don't know it's there, I mean, how do you know to get rid of it? And that's why also he gives us the gift of discerning of spirits. You know, that's one of the spiritual gifts so that you know that it's there and you can get rid of it. You know, the bold teaching of Jesus agitated that demon so much that it came out of hiding and it manifested itself. So that's the first step. Just aggravate the demons. Go ahead, Norma Jean. Aggravate the demons with the unhindered word of God. You can't water it down. You can't skirt around unpopular issues like homosexuality. The only way to agitate the demonic realm is with the unhindered word of God. Because when it's unhindered, it flies out of your mouth like a sword. But you can't stop there once the demon has made itself known or you know because of discerning of spirits, you have to cast it out. Most Christians get scared at this point, thinking, ah, a demon! What are we going to do? And most church leaders would try to protect the church's reputation and, and take them over to a side room or just tell them to leave or whatever. Jesus told us to do neither of those. He didn't say to run and hide. Why would you run and hide from something that you have more authority than they do, way more, way more authority than they do. 
He didn't say to keep things nice and calm. You won't find that in the scriptures. Hey, be sure to keep the services nice and calm. He sure didn't do that. (laughs) He said to cast out demons. This should be happening on the regular. So why are we letting them hang around? Because we've been duped. Casting out demons is too messy. It doesn't fit into our perfect performance church services. It really doesn't work with this seeker-sensitive church model. Like, it just isn't compatible with that, uh, where we're urged to create church services that that make lost people comfortable. That's what the seeker-sensitive thing, like, make the lost people comfortable. Nothing about following Jesus has promised to be comfortable. So we're kind of like giving them a lie whenever we do that from the beginning. Have you ever noticed that? Nothing about following Jesus was promised to be comfortable. He never even told us to make people comfortable. Actually, he made it very clear that following him is uncomfortable. You have to crucify your flesh. That doesn't sound very comfortable. Crucify your flesh daily. And on top of all this comfort nonsense, we've been taught that a Christian cannot have a demon, so people are going to church every Sunday while living in a constant state of torment. We're like, well, you know, just read the Bible more. Uh, Go see a doctor and get the meds. We Go through this 12-week program. Maybe that'll do it. But if it's a demon causing a torment, the only way to get rid of their torment is to cast out the demon. And that's why we have to get really good. Y'all, we have to become skilled at recognizing when it's a demonic issue. We do. Because when it's a demonic issue, medicine's not going to work. Prayer's not going to work. Memorizing scripture is not going to work. Not for that. All those things work for other things. That's how you renew your mind, which is part of the part of the process, right? We'll get into more of that another day, but we got to stop trying to devise our own solutions and do what Jesus told us to do, cast out demons. But am I saying everything's a demon? No, I'm not saying that, but we can't keep acting like nothing is a demon. We have to become aware that, hey, this could be a demonic issue because whenever, whenever you just open your, your thought process, this could be a demonic issue. That's when the discerning of spirits can actually work in your life. Because if your thought pattern is nothing is a demon, Even if the Holy Spirit wants to work through discerning of spirits, you're not going to hear it because your mind is blocking it. So just look at the ministry of Jesus. One of the first things he did was cast out a demon, and then he kept out it. He just cast out demons everywhere that he went. Then he told his disciples, hey, get out there, cast out demons. Then he told us, cast out demons. This tells me that demons, there are demons to be cast out. They're not just tormenting non-believers. They're tormenting people right within the church. And there's a lot of debate about this still. Can a Christian have a demon? Beth and I were watching a video the other night about somebody who has a different perspective than I do on this situation. And I just get to thinking, I'm like, you know, when Jesus told us to cast out demons, did he give us any conditions? Did he say, wait, 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 wait. make sure they're not a Christian first and then cast it out? <laughs> you know, honestly, I believe that we're looking for a way not to cast out demons, to not get involved. If we're looking for an excuse not to do it. So remove these, these excuses. He didn't say, hey, go and check on this first and check on that first or try, have them try this first. No, he said, just go cast out demons. Y'all look stunned. But you all know this, even as a born again believer, you can pick up sin and put it back down. Don't raise your hand because I know every hand would be raised. You can pick it up and put it on. Go ahead and raise your, no, I'm just kidding. Don't raise your hand for that one. You can keep it around so long that it consumes your mind and then it joins together with you. Anybody anybody want to raise their hand for that? No. But that was me. I was joined together with an unclean spirit of homosexuality until one day I had enough. And I remember I was in my bedroom seeking God. I dropped to my knees and said, God, I don't want your forgiveness. I don't just want your forgiveness. I want freedom. Take this thing from me. And whoop, there it went, which is a cool thing. 
You don't have to be in a church service to be delivered. It can just be you and the Holy Spirit in a room together, and you can receive deliverance. At that moment, I sent something leave my body, and in its place, I was overwhelmed with the love of God, and I was just weeping uncontrollably because I knew that I was finally free, like I knew something had changed on the inside of me. You see, deliverance happens in a moment whoop, because it leaves. It just, elite, the oppression leaves. After this, I was no longer consumed with homosexuality. Before it consumed me, I was no longer consumed. It still presented itself as a temptation. It still presented itself, but now I had the power to overcome it. That's where the difference was. For every temptation, Jesus provides a way out. And I'm overjoyed to report that I haven't picked up that sin since I was delivered over 16 years ago. I haven't picked it up. I haven't picked it up. Now if Satan presents this temptation, I just chuckle. <laughs> yeah, you think that I'm going to do that? I mean, how, what an idiot. Seriously, what an idiot. You think I'm going to throw away my marriage of 16 years? You think that I'm going to put that in my kids' lives as something that they have to do? You think I'm going to destroy my church? You're an idiot. You're an idiot. Not going to do it. He really is an idiot. So let's head to Luke 6, where we gain more insight onto how demons torment people. Luke 6, verse 17, says, When they came down from the mountain, the disciples stood with Jesus on a large level area, surrounded by many of his followers and by the crowds. There were people from all over Judea and from Jerusalem, and from as far north as the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon. They had come to hear him and be healed of their diseases. And those troubled by evil spirits were healed. Everyone tried to touch him because healing power went from him and healed everyone. You know, casting out demons is, is referred to as healing in the scriptures too, which is just a beautiful thing. It's a version of healing. So in Luke 4 that we read earlier, Jesus delivered a man who had a demon, and this one says that he delivered those troubled by demons. So let's dig into that word troubled so we understand the difference. It means to excite a mob against one, to harass, disturb, and trouble, to be molested by demons. And that last definition brings a lot of clarity to me. Some people with demons were molested by demons at a young age or maybe at a weak point in their life. And there's actually a study that proves this. It found that sexually abused young males are up to seven times more likely to self-identify as gay compared to their peers who were not abused. Seven times more likely. Many of those who struggle with their sexual identity do so because of something that happened when they were young. And it's good to know that because it stirs up your compassion. They, maybe they were molested and, and that allowed evil spirits to torment them. And now we know people can have demons because they open the door by engaging in sin or demonic things. Others have demons because they were molested by demons. And there are even those who had a mob of demons sin against them. And because they didn't know their authority in Christ, those demons continue to torment them. Whatever the cause, in order to receive deliverance, you got to first recognize that you need it. The demon has to come out of hiding so that it can be cast out. You have to make a decision to cut ties with the unclean spirit. You think, you think that would be obvious. Like, yeah, of course I want to cut ties with a demon. But sometimes you have them around so long, they become like your buddy. They become like your pet. And you're not sure that you want to get rid of it because it brings you some kind of weird comfort to have this thing around. But you have to decide to cut ties with the unclean spirit. Because if you want to keep it, God's not going to override your will. He's just going to let you keep that thing around. You have to make a decision to cut ties. 
This all sounds terrifying, ah, but it's really not. All it takes for a demon to be cast out is for someone who knows their authority in Christ to come up and cast it out. Praise God. But if that demon can convince you that this is not a demonic issue, you're going to stay in bondage. You're going to stay tormented. Because if the cause is a demon, nothing's going to work except get rid of it. If you're afraid that it's going to come out screaming, throw you on the ground, ruin your reputation, that demon is perfectly fine hiding behind your pride. Hmm. But as soon as you find out that this torment in your life is caused by a demon and you decide to cut ties with it, I don't care how ugly this divorce is, freedom is yours. It's worth it. Now, I'm not saying that we need to go around looking for demons. I want to make this clear right now. Where's the demons? <laughs> Where are they? I don't want you going home and wondering, do I have a demon? 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 And maybe some of you all have been thinking that since we've been talking about this. You lay at bed at night. Do I have a demon? Do I have a demon? Is this a demon? Is that a demon? Does my husband have a demon? Does my wife have a demon? That's got to be a demon. Demon, demon, demon. I'm not saying we need to go around looking for demons. Stop it. If you're doing that, stop. Stop it. Over the past month, the Lord is simply making us aware that deliverance is a need. That's all. He's working to get us to take the limits off of this issue so that when it is a demonic issue, we deal with it. But you don't need to go around looking for demons. If the issue is a demonic issue, the Holy Spirit will show you. He'll show you. He'll give you a discerning of spirits. He'll give you a, a word of knowledge. He'll give you a confirmation in the word of God. He'll show you what to say to aggravate that demon so that it comes out of hiding. The Holy Spirit does that. You don't need to do that. You don't need to go around looking for demons. Just say, Holy Spirit, show me when it's a demonic issue, and guess what? I'm going to deal with it. I'm going to cast it out. Ah, can you all just be relieved by that now? No more is, is this a demon? Is this a demon? Is this a demon? Do I have a demon? Do I have a demon? Relax. And since you've taken the limits off, when the Holy Spirit reveals this to you, and he will, most of you have made yourself available. <laughs> sure, I'll cast out a demon. And if you make yourself available, he'll show you. And you got to have the boldness that it takes to just go up there and set the captives free. And once you're free, you got to know your authority in Christ so you don't open yourself back up to the same torment. You can also use this same authority to help others. And I know you all want to help others find freedom. So I just want to end today real quickly with a brief explanation of your authority in Christ. After Jesus rose from the dead, he had a few things that he wanted to tell his disciples before he ascended into heaven. And here's one of them. Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. How much authority? Well, you get that in your head, all authority. You know when it says Jesus is the king of kings? Like, he really means that, Jesus is the king of kings. Where does this authority work? In heaven and on earth, or we could say it this way, in the spiritual realm and in the physical realm. We're not waiting for heaven for this authority to work. It works right now, right where we are. Let me put it to you this way. Jesus has it all. He knows it all. He's mastered everything. He's bound by nothing. His strength is endless and his power is unmatched. That's, that's who Jesus is. And that's why the modern representation of Jesus is as a super nice guy who tolerates everything is just such, it's so dangerous because that's a counterfeit Jesus. And that's part of the word that Beth gave, Beth gave a while ago. I mean, there's a lot of people out there who think that they know Jesus, but they don't. They know this, this hippie thing. 
representation. I, don't, I mean, I don't know how else to explain it. But they're believing in a fake Jesus, and they will end up in hell if they don't meet the real Jesus. I mean, this is, is serious. The real Jesus is a boss. God's given him all authority in heaven and on earth. His power is unmatched, and all things are under his jurisdiction. When Jesus came 2,000 years ago, he came as a savior. And when he comes back, he's coming as a warrior to destroy the kingdom of darkness and everybody who chose to live in it. If you picture him as the tolerant Jesus, you can't live under his authority. You can't. So don't buy into hippie Jesus. It's not who he is. He's the king of kings. His strength is endless. His power is unmatched. And how do we know we can operate under that authority of Christ? Well, it's found in Luke 9. Jesus called together his 12 disciples, gave them power and authority to cast out all demons and to heal all diseases. Again, casting out demons, first on the list, yet it's been last on the church's list since I can remember. If you don't like that we cast out demons now, just take it up with Jesus. Take it up with Jesus. He's the one who prioritizes casting out demons. As for me, I'm not going to ignore the issue anymore. We're going to set the captives free. When Jesus reveals it's a demon, we're going to cast it out. And you know, sometimes we have people come up for deliverance. They think maybe they have a demon, and then you get a word of knowledge that it's something else, right? That's happened, hasn't it? And that's okay. Aren't you thankful that we can know the truth and that the truth will set us free? Because you know what? If it's not a demon, I want to know. Like, if this is something in the flesh, I want to know. If, if I need to renew my mind, I want to know. I want to know. I'm so thankful for the gifts of the Spirit because it enables us to know those things. So I hope you can see Jesus as he really is. Yes, he's your Savior, but in order you to spend, for you to spend eternity with him, he has to be more than your Savior. He has to be your Lord. He has to be your Lord. I'll put it to you this way. There will be no one in heaven who refuses to submit to the authority of Christ here on the earth. If they never submitted to the authority of Christ here on the earth, they're not going to make it because it says we have to confess him as Lord. And that's not just something you say. That's how you live. Salvation requires you to confess Jesus Christ as Lord. You've got to bow to the King of Kings. So that brings up a common question regarding this subject. Can people be saved and gay? The Bible says salvation requires two things. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. So two things. Believe that God raised Jesus from the dead and openly declare Jesus is Lord. Again, not just what you say. It's how you live your life. So this means that you made a decision to abandon your own desires and pursue the way of Jesus. Salvation cannot be earned by your right behavior. That's not what I'm saying. He's not waiting for you to get your behavior right. That's not how it works. Salvation is given to you as a free gift when you submit your life to Christ. But since you're submitted to Christ, guess what? Your behavior lines up as a result of your salvation. You have submitted to the authority of Christ. Therefore, you live as he commands you to live. He knows you won't get it perfect. And that's why perfection is not required. Quick repentance is what is required. Repentance is kind of a churchy word. So here's what it means. When King Jesus tells you to get something out of your life, you quickly turn away from that thing and follow Jesus. Somebody say quickly. quickly. Quit waiting. Just do it. So can you be saved and gay? Maybe for a little while. But it doesn't take long to figure out homosexuality is not the way of Christ. And since you're openly declaring Jesus is Lord, you're going to have to leave that lifestyle. You're going to have to leave it. If you don't abandon homosexuality, you reveal Jesus isn't really your Lord. Instead, you're saying, my way is better. And that's why it's called the pride movement. Because everybody who participates is saying, my way is better. I don't care that I just destroyed my family. I don't care that God considers it an abomination. I'm going to do what I want to do. That's why it's called the pride movement. You got you to know something about pride. 
pride is what turned angels into demons. Pride turns believers into unbelievers because Jesus can't be Lord if you are. But know this, when Jesus becomes not just your Savior, but your Lord, when you truly submit yourself to him, he's going to give you the power to live free from homosexuality. He'll give you the power to live free from whatever you're dealing with. He did it for me. He can do it for you. And here's the best part. As soon as you submit to his authority, you have his authority. As soon as you submit to his authority, you have his authority. You don't have to be tormented by demons anymore. When the enemy tries to tempt you, all you have to say is this. Guess what? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. And because I'm submitted to his authority, I have his authority. So I command every evil spirit to get out of me and stay away from me. Simple as that. Because when you submit to his authority, you have his authority. So guess what? Many of you are going to walk in a greater degree of your authority after today. Because what happened at the end of worship was a, was a time of submission to his authority. I just hope and I pray that you yielded to that submission because it is your choice. He's not going to make you do it. But it's so much better, so much better whenever you submit to his authority. Lord, thank you. Thank you for power. Thank you that we can use your authority. I thank you for this move of deliverance that's coming for the LGBTQ community. I thank you that the Holy Spirit is just going to sweep through that, lead people to Jesus, set them free, and it's just going to be an amazing thing to watch. I call it in the name of Jesus. I call it forth in the name of Jesus. Set the captives free. We break the power of this demonic spirit. We break its power in the name of Jesus. We break its power over our nation in the name of Jesus, and we cast it out of the nation. We cast it out of the people, we cast it out of the nation. We're not going to do that anymore. I break its power. I break its control. And Lord, I ask you to confuse the plans of the enemy. I ask that you just tear them up, turn them against each other. They look so organized and like they're really moving forward right now, but I thank you that in a moment you can change that. And everything, all the enemy's plans can fall apart. So we ask you for that. On behalf of our nation, we repent of this iniquity. And we ask you to heal our land. Heal our land. Restore it back to how it was created. This is your nation. And we refuse to give it up to the enemy. Heal our land, Lord, heal our land. If you agree with that, say amen. Amen. Man, that was good, wasn't it? Help us get God's word out to everyone who needs it by partnering with us financially. Your generous giving is what enables us to make a difference for the kingdom of God. Visit nolimits.fyi to give securely online. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a message. And thanks again for listening. Now let's go make a difference.